Welcome to Over in a podcast where uh, me and uh, Faith reads through the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft in somewhat chronological order, and we release an audiobook as well. My name is Jesse, and with me today is is a is a is a little doggo. It's Faith. Hi. Yep. Well, look at boy. that dog over there. Boy. I do love chewing on bones and eating kibble. Yep. It's uh it's it's what you do. It's um borking thing. at things. Yep, and bork bork. Sometimes that's, borking that's at you. sometimes borking at nothing. <laughs> yep. Uh today we're gonna be talking or reading the hound. The hound. Wolf. Ow. Ow. Yeah, I so. I vaguely remember I very vaguely, I should say. I remember reading this and nothing else about it. <laughs> it's one of those that pops up as well love stories, and I don't think I remember it. I'm yeah. To be honest, I think I've read it before. That being said, I've read a lot of things and watched a lot of things and forgot everything about them. Yeah, soon the, time, after, so. the time when I read the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft was not a great time for my mental health, and therefore I forgot a lot of things. Yeah. I remember the moon bog. I remember that one. Well, of course. It has all the frogs in it. It has, it has frogs in it. That's literally the only reason I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, you're bisexual, so you have to remember frogs. I have to. Listen, it's in my contract to be bisexual. Yeah. Well, it just says frogs in capital letters in size 72 font, but I assume that re- that means I have to remember everything involving frogs. Something about frogs. We don't know what it is, but it is a thing. <laughs> it's frogs. It's bolded, italicized, and underlined. <laughs> and there's no explanation. Yeah, but um, I I I hear on the on the winds across the moors. That you might have a blurb about this. Oh, yes, I do. Amazing that you heard that from so far away. Uh, Written in September 1922, The Hound has been roundly criticized for being excessively florid and overwritten. But it is clear that the story is deliberately written in a flamboyant and self-parodic way. The tale is noteworthy for the first citation of The Necronomicon whose author is now explicitly declared to be Abdul Azared. It was inspired by an ancient... Oh, it was inspired by an incident in Brooklyn on September 16th, in which Lovecraft went to the cemetery of the Dutch Reformed Church, hence the Dutch setting for the tale, and chipped off a piece of a crumbling headstone. As an exercise in grisliness, it would be difficult to surpass. The story first appeared in Weird Tales... In February of 1924. So I don't know if they read any other of their of HP stuff. Yeah, they like, said um, it was Florida overwritten. Florida it's kind of his deal. That's everything about him. <laughs> like that's this is literally the, this, like there are stories at the beginning of this book that have <laughs> like 70 word long sentences, and the only thing like there's maybe a semicolon in the middle of it. Maybe he's. 
he spends half the story in Hypnos describing one person. It's true. I mean, apparently they're <laughs> very hot. So you have to know. I mean, but you can do that in one paragraph and you could just remember it because you're reading the story in the same sitting. No, not if you're in love with them. Okay, Jesse, he needed more than one paragraph. <laughs> he needed to tell me how his laugh sounded sounded like a wind chime in the distance. We needed to know that his voice was like deep viols. <laughs> like, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I f- these blurbs have been very bad <laughs> for <not> us. Great. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do. It did. It does give us. Um, it does tell us that this ties into Necronomicon. So it's like the well, starting of a wider mythos. Well, I mean, it, okay, it tells us when things are tied to other things, and that's it. Everything else is just like, I don't know. Why don't we just say some stuff about Lovecraft? <laughs> Sometimes it's used as the, like, a lot of the time they use the word Duncinian. Just like, cool. I mean, yeah, that's cool. But also, Dun- I mean, by modern standards, you know, Lord Duncinian. Not great. Not great. <laughs> By modern standards. Back he, then, maybe. I don't know. Back then? Well, you didn't have an editor back then. But even then, H.P. Lovecraft still did a... Like, he just needed to read... I feel like Lord Dunsany just needed to write more than one draft, and he would have been fine. <laughs> he was writing around the same time Poe was writing, which is no excuse. He has no yeah, excuse. Yeah, actually, you know what? No. He has no excuse. He was writing. He wrote. He was writing around the same time Hawthorne was writing stuff. Just um, write. Just write a second draft. It's okay, buddy. Man, like, come on. Like, you know, like I can make excuses, but I can think of like Frankenstein came out by the time. <laughs> yeah, Frankenstein, a whole ass novel came a out. Whole ass and really is, good novel, and is better edited than this. H.G. Wells. H. Oh, yep. Like yeah, really, there is no excuse. There's no excuse, dunce, dunce. We gotta (laughs) dunk on the dunce. (laughs) But but yeah, uh, I guess we're gonna just start this. Let's do this. Let's have dunking on Lord (laughs) Dunsany. We're gonna talk about a good doggo, I guess. Uh, This has to be what it's about, right? Why would you name it name something called the Hound? I want it to be about a good boy. It's just like, yo, have you seen the have you seen the second pupper? <laughs> That's a weird dog. <laughs> As you're looking it's, at a deer. It, it's it, it's it's like one of those like black dogs that are bad, but it's like a puppy. Oh so it just like it so it only so it only kills children. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. oh that, god. That, that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I mean, it's cuter. I mean, it's going to grow up to kill adults, but, you know, it's whatever. I'd be fine with that. I'd be like, yeah, I guess this is my time to go. Yeah, I was like, oh, I had this dog for eight years. I guess it's... <sighs> Turns okay. out it was evil the whole time. What, what if the black dog was actually just like, or the black hound was actually, it just really wanted someone to pet it, but like, it had like a death touch to it. Or, like, everybody was just so afraid of it that they'd end up killing themselves, like, tripping over themselves trying to get away from it. You know, just poor, oh, poor, poor doggo. Poor doggo. The Hound by H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter 1. In my tortured ears, there were sounds unceasingly, a nightmare whirring 
in flapping, in a faint, distant baying of some gigantic hound. It is not a dream. It is not. I fear even madness. For too much had already happened to give me these merciful doubts. St. John is a mingled corpse. I alone know why, and such is my knowledge, that I am about to blow my brains for fear I shall be mangled in the same way. Down unlit and illimitable corridors of eldritch fantasy sweeps the black, shapeless nemesis that drives me to self-annihilation. Okay, just saying. I might, st- you know, if I ever have to, for some reason, blow my brains out. Uh-huh. I'm definitely borrowing from this <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna copy and paste it. Also, I did not know the term blow my brains was a thing back then. Yeah. Yeah. That's very surprising. Also, self-annihilation, the best. I always wanted to prefer to it as self-assassination. Ooh. Or I'm going to assassinate myself. It's self-annihilation. I like that that because it makes you sound like you're really important. Well, yeah, you're very important. That's why why you have to get the best. Hit man of all yourself to kill <laughs> yourself. Right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. You, you don't even do it for pay. You do it for the joy of it. <laughs> you just promise them a good time. Oh, this whole thing is a suicide note. Ooh. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-part suicide note at that. How extra do you have to be? (laughs) (laughs) This is, I mean, I'm going to assume every narrator is just a Lovecraft stand-in. You're like, part one, suicide note. (laughs) Part one, reason why I'm killing myself. Part two, the ways I'm killing myself. (laughs) Part part one of 69. (laughs) And then it just says in parentheses, in really small font, (laughs) nice. (laughs) (laughs) may heaven forgive the folly and morbidity may heaven forgive the folly may heaven forgive the folly and morbidity which led us both to a monstrous fate wearied with the commonplaces of a prosaic world where even the joys of romance and adventure soon grow stale saint john and i had followed enthusiastically every aesthetic and intellectual movement which promised respite from our devastating ennui. The enigmas of the symbolists and the ecstasies of the pre-Raphaelites all were ours in their time, but each new mood was drained too soon of its diverging novelty and appeal. Only the somber philosophy of the decadence could hold us, and this we found potent only by increasing gradually the depth of diabolicism of our penetrations. Baudelaire and Heinzmann's were soon exhaustive thrills, till finally there remained for us only the more direct stimuli of unnatural personal experiences and adventures. It was this frightful emotional need which led us eventually to that detestable course, which even in my present fear I mention with shame and timidity, that hideous extremity of human outrage, the abhorrent practice of grave robbing. Is this just is this just reanimator again? 
No, I'm just saying, like, they just need the internet. <laughs> I know, like, right? Like, they could have just, if they just had the internet, they would have been fine. They would have been fine. You can find all the weird porn you want on there. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> also, you know, maybe just fuck. I'm just, just fuck. saying. Like, I mean, like, I mean, St. John, I mean, obviously, him and St. John, they're bored together, which is, I feel, is a couple's thing. Um, <laughs> you can't uh, be a couple unless you're bored together. Like, I think that's part of being a couple. You get bored together and you either fuck or you find something to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have that part. And also, by increasing the uh, gradually the depths of the diabolicism of our penetrations, I that know. just sounds like you're trying new stuff. Yeah. Ooh. You know, maybe maybe you try to mate dress this time. <laughs> that explains the, the spicy somber. Yeah. Real spicy. It's it's somber, but you're you're doing butt stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, I mean, how do you get to the point where great? Even back then, there was things to do. Yeah, yeah. There's more to do than just grave robbing. <laughs> like, God, go to an opium den like a normal person. God, like, <laughs> go to the doctor, say you're sad, they'll give you cocaine, then you're happy. Yeah, problem solved. <laughs> or you're really sad, but it's going really fast. <laughs> I'm sad, but faster. <laughs> I cannot reveal the details of our shocking expositions, or catalog even partly the worst of our trophies adorning, or even catalog partly the worst of the trophies adorning the nameless museums we prepared in the great stone house, where we jointly dwelt, alone and servantless. Our museum was a blasphemous, unthinkable place, where, with the satanic taste of neurotic versiosi, we assembled a universe of terror and decay to excite our jaded personalities. It was a secret room, far, far underground, where huge ringed demons, carven, of basalt and onyx vomited from a wide grinning mouths, weird green and orange light, and hidden pneumatic pipes ruffled into a kaleidoscopic dance of death, the lines of red charnel things hand in hand, woven in voluminous black hangings. Through these pipes came at will the odors of our mood most crave, sometimes a scent of pale funeral lilies, sometimes an archaic incense of imagined eastern shrines of kingly dead, sometimes, how I shudder to recall it, the frightful soul-upheaving stenches of the uncovered grave. I mean, we get it, you're goth. Get, just, get over yourself. Just light an incense. God. Man, they just, they just needed, if only the cure came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, if they just lived in the 1990s, they'd be fine. Like, they need some clove cigarettes, they need the cure, <laughs> maybe typo negative. Some, um, hair gel. Some hair gel, you know, one of them, I mean, I'm guessing St. John will probably look pretty good. Also, St. John is a great... It's a wonderful goth name. Oh, that's such a good goth name. Man, like this is this is these are just the grown up version of the kid in the tomb from the tomb. <laughs> yeah, there's just two of them this time. He found a friend. <laughs> Around the walls of this repellent chamber were cases of antique mummies, alternating 
with comely, lifelike bodies perfectly stuffed and cured by the taxidermist art, with headstones snatched from the oldest churchyard of the world. Niches here and there contain skulls of all shapes, and heads preserved in various stages of dissolution. There one might find rotting, bald plates of famous noblemen, and the flesh and radiant golden heads of newly buried children. Statues and paintings there were all of fiendish subjects, and some executed by St. John and myself. A locked portfolio bound in tanned human skin held certain unknown and unnameable drawings, which it was rumored Goya had perpetrated but dared not acknowledge. There was a noxious musical instruments, stringed bass and woodwinds, on which John and I sometimes produced dissonance of exquisite morbidity, cacodemological ghastliness. Wilt saw in a multitude of inlaid ebony cabinets repose the most incredible and unimaginable variety of tomb loot ever assembled. An unimaginable variety of tomb loot ever assembled by human madness and perversity. It is of this loot in particular that I must not speak. Thank God I had the courage to destroy it long before I thought of destroying myself. I feel like back then they would be like, oh, this is so florid and over and uh, like really wordy. This is I'm just being like, hey, like this just speak like this is this is all I would would want to read if I was uh, like, you know, 10 years ago. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Like, it's just like, ooh, this is like none, none more goth. (laughs) Baby goth me would love this. Baby, baby goth, man, like little, little emo me. There's just like, ooh, this is spooky. Oh, We'd be like, ooh, this is real spooky. There's, there's dead things there. Oh, they just they 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 play creepy music they surrounded play, by dead things. They play spooky, scary skeletons. The predatory excursions on which we collected our unmentionable treasures were always artistically memorable events. We were no longer vulgar ghouls, but worked only under certain conditions of mood, landscape, environment, weather, season, and moonlight. These pastimes were to us the most exquisite form of aesthetic expression, and we gave their details a fastidious technical care, an inappropriate hour, a jarring lightning effect, or a clumsy manipulation of the damp soil would almost totally destroy for us the ecstatic titillation which followed the exhumation of some ominous grinning secret of the earth. Our quest for novel scenes and piquant conditions were feverishly and insatiate. St. John was always a leader, and he was who led the way at last to that mocking, that accursed spot, which brought us to our hideous and inevitable doom. By what malign fatality were we lured to that terrible Holland church? I think it was the dark rumor and legendary, the tales of one buried for five centuries, who had himself been a ghoul in his time and had stolen a potent thing from a mighty sepulchre. I recall the scene in these final moments, the pale autumnal moon over the graves, casting long, horrible shadows, grotesque trees, drooping 
sullenly to meet the neglected grass in crumbling slabs. The vast legions of strangely colossal bats that flew against the moon. The antique ivy church pointing a huge spectral finger to the livid sky. The phosphorescent insects which dance like death fires under yews in a distant corner. The odor of mold, vegetation, less inexplicable things that mingled freely with the night wind from over far swamps and seas, and worst of it all, faint, deep tone baying of some gigantic hound which we could neither see nor definitely place. As we heard this suggestion of baying, we shuddered, remembering the tales of the peasantry, for he whom we sought had centuries before been found in the self-same spot torn and mangled by claws and teeth of some unspeakable beast. I don't, don't know what that blurb is talking about. This fucking owns. <laughs> this does own. You know this... what I realized? These guys just need to be friends with the outsider. Oh my god, they would love it! They would love the like outsider. Would... Man, be like, hey, hey, have you ever heard of The Cure? They make <laughs> like really, they make sad but danceable songs where you can kind of like mosh to. Hey, you want to be sad but also dance? Let's listen to the cue. <laughs> hey, let's let's put some let's put some ghost on and uh, steal food for people. <laughs> I want to listen to some Susie Sue and swim in a river. <laughs> like, man, but this no, but this for real. This this story owns. I don't understand what the everyone. I, I don't know. understand that blurb. It's too florid this, and grotesque. Oh, it was florid and grotesque. Hey, this is barely anything. I think for the this, time that makes sense because it was like, ooh, dead things, how spooky, scary. And nowadays you know, it's like, I saw a woman flight on screen and it wasn't that scary, actually. <laughs> Someone on Tumblr had a blog specifically about grave robbing. <laughs> it was real gross. <laughs> but not really spooky. <laughs> no, but this is, this is, uh, this is uh, spooky in the right way. Yes. If only we read this around Halloween. Ooh. 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 Extra spooky. Yeah, this is real spooky. I mean, to be fair, all of these stories are spooky, except for a few of them. <laughs> yeah, except for the tree, which was just real gay. Yeah. And wonderful. I remember how we delved into this ghoul's graves with our spades, and how we thrilled at the picture of ourselves, the grave the pale watching moon, the horrible shadows, the grotesque trees, the titanic bats, the antique church, the dancing death fires, the sickening odors, the gentle moaning, the night wind, and the strange, half-heard, directionless baying of whose objective existence we could scarcely be sure. Then we struck a substance harder than the damp mold and beheld a rotting oblong box crusted with mineral deposits from the long, undisturbed ground. It was incredibly rough and thick, but so old that we finally pried it open and feasted our eyes on what it held. Much, amazingly much, was left the object despite the lapse of five hundred years. The skeleton, though, crushed in spaces by the jaws of the thing that had killed it. 
held together with surprisingly firmness, and we gloated over the clean white skull and its long, firm teeth and its eyeless sockets that once glowed with the charnel fever like our own. In the coffin lay an amulet of curious and exotic design, which had apparently been worn around the sleeper's neck. It was the oddly conventionalized figure of a crouching, winged hound, or sphinx with semi-canine face, and was exquisitely carved in an antique oriental fashion from a small piece of green jade. The expression on its feature was repellent in the extreme, savoring at once bestiality and malevolence. Around the base was an inscription in characters which neither St. John nor I could identify, and on the bottom, like a maker's seal, was graven a grotesque and formidable skull. Immediately, upon beholding this amulet, we knew that we must possess it, that this treasure alone was our logical pelf from the centuried grave. Even had its outlines been unfamiliar, we would have desired it. But as we looked more closely, we saw that it was not wholly unfamiliar. Alien, it was, to all arts and literature, which sane and balanced readers know. But we recognized it as a thing hinted of the forbidden necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdulazared, the ghastly soul seal of the corpse-eating cult of inaccessible Ling of Central Asia. All too well did retrace the sinister liniments described by the old Arab demonologist. Liniments, he wrote, drawn from some obscure supernatural manifestations of souls of who vexed and gnawed at the dead. Seizing the green jade object, we gave a last glance at the bleached and caved and cavern-dyed face of its owner and closed up the grave as we found it. As we hastened from the abhorrent spot, the stolen amulet in St. John's pocket, the stolen amulet in St. John's pocket, we thought as we saw the bats descend in a body to the earth we had so lately rifled as if seeking for some cursed and unholy nourishment. But the autumn moon shone weak and pale, and we could not be sure. So, too, as we sailed the next day away from Holland to our home, we thought we heard the faint distant baying of some gigantic hound in the background, but the autumn wind moaned sad and wan, and we could not be sure. So, we are, we are on the first half of this. We've, we just got done. What do you think so far? I like it. It's so spooky. It's spooky. It's about a couple of goths who just went too far. This is what you would write if you were making fun of a goth teen. It's true. And it's it's so good. I love it so much. It's it's like it's just like just like crystallized angst. And just <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Like you, you could just hear. You could just hear. Uh, you could just hear Saint John yell at his mom. Like it's not a phase, mom. It's not phase. God, he's not my real dad. Chapter two. Less than a week after our return to England, strange things began to happen. 
We lived as recluses, devoid of friends, alone and without servants, in a few rooms of an ancient manor house on a bleak and unfrequented moor, so that our doors were seldom disturbed by the knock of the visitor. Now, however, we were troubled by what seemed to be frequent fumblings in the night, not only around the door, but around the windows also, upper as well as lower. Once we fancied that large, opaque body darkened the library window where the moon was shining against it, and another time we thought we heard a roaring or flapping sound not far off. On each occasion, investigation revealed nothing, and we began to ascribe the occurrences with, to imagination alone. That same curiously disturbed imagination which still prolonged in our ears the faint, far baying we thought we heard. In the Holland churchyard, the jade ambulant now repose in a niche, in a niche of our museum, and sometimes we burn strangely scented candles before it. We read much in Alzared's Necronomicon about its properties and about the relations of ghoulish souls to the objects it symbolizes, and were disturbed by what we read. On the night of September 24th, I heard a knock on my chamber door. Venturing it was St. John, I bade the knocker enter, but the answer, but was answered only by a shrill laugh, but was only answered by a shrill laugh. There was no one in the corridor. When I aroused St. John from his sleep, he professed entire ignorance of the event, became as worried as I. It was that night that the faint, distant baying over the moor became to us a certain and dreaded reality. Four days later, whilst we both in the hidden museum, there came a low, curious scratching at the single door which led to the secret library staircase. Our alarm was now divided, for beside our fear of the unknown, we had always entertained a dread that our grisly collection might be discovered. Extinguishing all lights, we continued to the door and threw it suddenly open, whereupon we felt a unaccountable rush of air, and heard as if rescinding far away a queer combination of wrestling, tittering, and articulate chattering. Whether we were mad, dreaming, or in our senses, we did not try to determine we only realized with the blackest of apprehensions that apparently disembodied chatter was beyond a doubt in the Dutch language. <sighs> and everyone knows no! <laughs> Dutch Not is that. the worst language. Anything but that. <laughs> no! <laughs> Not the Dutch. <laughs> no! <laughs> if there's one thing that horrifies me more than death itself, it's the Dutch. It's the Dutch language. <laughs> you just hear the sound of wooden shoes walking around outside. <laughs> no! <laughs> Anything but that. <laughs> the great thing about it, too, is like they could have said in a language, in a language unimaginable, but no, it's the Dutch language, which makes it hilarious. You look, you look outside, there's a windmill. No! <laughs> 
Why is there so many tulips? Oh, God. <laughs> Again, the, the, the clonking of some wooden shoes. <laughs> oh, God. It's just... <laughs> I think that's the first time they describe the tittering of something like whispers of the dark, like anything besides like unimaginable language. It's a guttural, (laughs) unimaginable language, one that I cannot repeat without passing out. It's like, no, it was fucking Dutch. (laughs) It was scary. Dutch. (laughs) Oh, God, no, anything but a Germanic language. (laughs) Take it back. How dare you speak to me in Dutch? <laughs> I refuse to go to Bruges. Get out of my house. <laughs> you can't make me go. You can't. I won't go to the windmill. How dare your ancestors make the stark market, technically creating capitalism as we know it today. You, you monsters. Oh, and then crash it when all the tulips died. <laughs> oh, by the way, I blame the Dutch for capitalism. Yeah. Well, see now, see now the Dutch language scary now i get it (laughs) like you could kind of you can kind of blame the the north italians you can kind of blame a little bit but the dutch made the stock market um and as soon as you're able to make money off of theories as soon as you made money a non-physical thing that's when capitalism (laughs) started i'm I'm suing the entire nation of holland (laughs) (laughs) I sue you for emotional damage. <laughs> because of capitalism. <laughs> I'm suing my mom and all of the, the <laughs> Dutch government. <laughs> they both better bring a good lawyer because I'm real fucked up right now. <laughs> oh, God. That really that really threw us off. Like that's so like maybe back then it was okay. But <laughs> I guess our perception of uh, Holland is <laughs> very different than the 1920s. There's so many. There's so. Uh, there's so many just completely legal brothels. Oh God! Oh you no! Smoke weed. The devil's lettuce. You could have said it was like you're reading the Necronomicon, dude. What if? You, you, <laughs> What I don't know. What if Holland was like really scary back then? I mean, it could have been. I don't it know. It could have been. Maybe Holland was absolutely terrifying. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if they don't have the kind of like f- f- the kishy image that we have of Holland these days. <laughs> like normally, when I hear the Dutch language, it's because I actually choose it on like Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you forget the you forget to turn the dub on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> man i was i was in a, i was in like a really good zone you there were. that just destroyed it and it's in it's in it's italicized too which makes it even funnier <laughs> <laughs> the dutch language no <laughs> how dare you no oh, i can't believe this <laughs> keep all this way it's me speaking dutch to me Speak English. After we lived in growing horror and fascination, mostly we held to the theory that we were jointly going mad from our life of unnatural excitements. And sometimes it pleased us more 
to dramatize ourselves as the victims of some creeping and appalling doom. Bizarre manifestations, now too frequent to count. Our lonely house was seemingly alive with the presence of some malign being whose nature we could not guess, and every night that demonic baying rolled over the windswept moor, always louder and louder. On October 29th, we found in the soft earth underneath the library window a series of footprints utterly impossible to describe. They were baffling. They were as baffling as a horde of great bats which haunted the old manor house in unprecedented and increasing numbers. The horror reached culmination on November 18th, when St. John, walking home after dark from some distant railway station, was seized by some frightening, carnivorous thing and torn to ribbons. His scream reached the house, and I hastened to the terrible scene in time to hear a whir of wings and see a vague black cloudy thing silhouetted against the rising moon. My friend was dying when I spoke to him, and he could not answer coherently. All he could do was whisper, The amulet, that damned thing. Then he collapsed, an inert mass of mangled flesh. I don't know what these guys are complaining about. There is nothing more goth than being haunted. Like, that is the also, most goth thing that can happen to you. Being haunted and then being torn to shreds. It doesn't get any more goth than that. That's also, just the, like, that's just the natural life cycle of a goth. <laughs> also, I like the fact that they're just like, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of drama queens. Like we kind of know. <laughs> I know. I like how they they're straight up like, ooh, but actually, like, wouldn't it be really cool if we were actually haunted? Ooh. It's it's like when you're sad and you just want to get more sad because it's like you're trying you to sweat it out almost. It's exactly By the way, that. that almost never works. It almost never works. It feels like it should work. They should have just gotten more haunted stuff. Yeah, like, okay, so it's it's like whenever you put so many copywritten stuff in a YouTube video that multiple corporations are fighting over it, so none of them can claim it. <laughs> it's, um, like, yeah, it's like in The Simpsons when Mr. Burns goes to the doctor and he's like, you have so many diseases <laughs> that cancel each other out. See, here's my, he, like, has, a like, a bunch of, like, little stuffed animals with the diseases and, like, a little doorway. He's like, this is what's happening. And he goes to shove them through the door and they all get stuck. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> like, I mean, if you get enough ghosts and one of them really wants to kill you, I mean, if you get, and all of them really want to kill you, then, like, the other one, all the ghosts are going to start fighting. Yeah, over who gets over to kill you. Yeah. You, I and mean, you get, eventually and then you get decide, killed by the most metal ghost. Yeah, or eventually they decide just to all kill you at once. And um, they, they've they discovered that, like, the real murder was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, feel, I, I would like to think that they will all fight each other, but, you know, maybe being dead gives them enough, like, you know, clarity. Yeah, maybe, like, you know. yeah. They're like, what if we just, like, kill them together? It's like, you know what, Fred? You're right. Yeah, you are right. We should kill these people who are just really annoyingly grabbing all the ghosts they can to try to pit us against each other. You know, we, should, we shouldn't we should fall for that. 
we should unionize and kill every human. Why would you pit two bad bitches against each other like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's funny. Uh, God, it's like, see, the thing is, it's like, this isn't florid and like grotesque to us at all because it feels like a this feels like a joke almost. It really does. <laughs> I love it because it's spooky, but like it's spooky in a way that's like like I feel like if you made this nowadays, it would be a horror comedy. Yes. It wouldn't be a horror at all. It wouldn't it, be that oh, at all. Like it'd be so good. I buried him the next midnight in one of our neglected gardens and mumbled over his body one of the devilish rituals which he loved in life. And as I pronounced the last demonic sentence, I heard afar, on the moor, the faint baying of some gigantic hound. The moon was up, but I dare not look at it. And when I saw the dim, litten moor, a wide nebulous shadow sweeping from mound to mound, I shut my eyes and drew myself face down on the ground. When I rose trembling, I know not how much later, I staggered into the home and made shocking obstinences before the enshrined amulet of green jade. Being now afraid to live alone in the ancient house on the moor, I departed on the following day for London, taking with me the amulet after destroying by fire the rest of the impious collection in the museum. But after three nights, I heard the bang again, and before a week was over, I felt strange eyes upon me whenever it was dark. One evening, as, as I strolled on the Victorian embankment for some needed air, I saw a black shape obscured one of the reflections of the lamp in the water. Wind stronger than the night wind rushed by, and I knew that what had befallen St. John must soon befall me. The next day, I carefully wrapped the green jay amulet and sailed for Holland. What mercy might I gain by returning the thing to its silent sleeping owner? I knew not. But I felt that I must at least try any step conceivably logical. What the hound was and why it pursued me were questions still vague. But I had first heard the baying in the ancient churchyard, and every subsequent events, including John's dying whispers, had served to connect the curse with the stealing of the amulet. Accordingly, I sank in the nethermost abysses of despair when, at the end of Rotterdam, I discovered the thieves spoiled me of this sole mean of salvation. The baying was loud that evening. And in the morning, I read of a nameless deed in the vilest quarter of the city. The rabble were in terror, for upon me an evil tenement had fallen a red death beyond the foulest previous crime of the neighborhood. In a squalid thieves' tin, an entire family had been torn to shreds by un an unknown thing that had left no trace, and those around had heard all night. Above the usual clamor of drunken voices, a faint, deep, insistent note of a gigantic hound. So at last I stood against the unwholesome churchyard, where a pale winter moon cast hideous shadows, and leafless trees drooped sullenly to meet the withered, frosty 
grass in cracking slabs, and the ivy church pointed a jeering finger at an unfriendly sky, and the night wind howled maniacally over the frozen swamps and frigid seas. The baying was very faint now, and it ceased altogether as I approached the ancient graveyard I had once violated, and frightened away as an abnormally large horde of bats, which had been hovering curiously around, which had been hovering curiously around it. I know not why I went thither, unless to pray or gibber out insane pleas and apologies to the calm white thing that lies within. But whatever my reasons, I attacked the half-frozen sod with a desperation and partly that of a dominating will outside of myself. Excavating was much easier than I expected. Though at one point I encountered a queer interruption when a lean vulture darted down of the cold sky and pecked frantically at the grave earth until I killed him with a blow of my spade. I finally reached the rotting oblong box and removed the damp nitrous cover. This is the last rational act I ever performed, for crouched within that centuried coffin embraced by a close packing of nightmare retinue, huge sinewy sleeping bats was the bony thing my friend had and I had robbed. Not clean and placid as we seen it, but covered with caked blood, and shredded, and shreds of alien flesh and hair, and leering sentinely at me, with phosphorescent sockets, and sharp and sanguine fangs yawning, twisted with a mockery of my inevitable doom. And when it gave from those grinning jaws a deep sardonic bay, as if some gigantic hound, I saw that it held in its gory, filthy claws the lost and faithful amulet of green jade. I merely screamed and ran away idiotically, my screams soon dissolving into peals of hysterical laughter. Madness rides the star wind, claw and teeth sharpened on centuries of corpses, dripping death besides a bacchanal of bats from the night-black ruins of buried temples of Belial, now as the baying of the dead fleshless monstrosity grows louder and louder, and the stealthy roaring, a flapping of those accursed web wings circle closer and closer, I shall seek with my revolver the oblivion, which is my only refuge from the unnamed and unnameable. Yep, that's it. Uh, yeah, that owns. That was metal as fuck. That's great. I love it. That was that's awesome. So good. It was oh so my god! Good. I love. Oh my god! Oh hell yeah! That was so goth. <clears throat> like, I, I mean, I just, I just like it. I don't know what else to say. It's just real good. It's so like, good. Like, like I don't understand how I said. Oh, it's too florid and grotesque and all that. No, it's cool. It was super cool. I loved it. Yeah. It was everything I could ever want. Yeah. I mean, like, it does lack the the uh, the cosmic horror that I crave. Yes. I will say that. Yes, but otherwise. This fantastic. is just regular horror. Yeah, this is just regular no. horror. Yeah. Which is also would, good. Yeah, so um, I don't know what else to really say about this. Yeah, uh, what really. is there to add to this? It was so good. <laughs> It was like, it was just, I don't know, like, 
like it's been a little bit since we read just like a really good horror. Yeah. Like, this is like what I wish um uh Hypnos had been. Like more horror, but still gay. Uh, see, this one had less gay. Like you see, you know, I felt like you could have added like a couple of paragraphs describing like how talked, like you could have you could have talked about how beautiful Saint John was. Yeah, I mean I, I imagine see for whatever reason I'm imagining like like a like a Trent Reznor. Yes. Mixed with mixed mixed with the Henry Rollins. Ooh. To say like Ooh. a real just real buff. Like just real buff Ooh. and just like oh man, just imagine if they had nine inch nails. <laughs> oh god. Man, <laughs> man, just like everything would have been better if they were just bored like a hundred years later. Really? I know. Bored in the wrong generation. I mean, just Give these give these goth boys some some goth shit, you know. Yeah. Back then, all the, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I imagine that they're both ghosts right now because their un, their unfinished business was to go to like a was was to go to like a typo negative um, concert, oh. but it didn't exist then. Oh. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> it's like the caveman whose unfinished business was to create cold fusion, but. You know. Yeah. Limited supplies. Yeah. Well, let's do some, uh, let's do some HP list craft. Okay, so. Um, this one's going up there for me. Yes. So, um, I'm looking. So, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start with some of our heavy hitters here. Okay. So let's let's start with Polaris, I think. It's a good okay. place to start. I would say better than Polaris. Okay, Azathoth. Uh, I'm trying to remember Azathoth. I remember liking it because it, it wouldn't be that high. Yeah. One sec. One sec. Give me a sec. But we've read like 40 stories. I'm surprised we're able to remember the ones we do. One sec. I'm reading it. Wasn't it also dream dreamy? Yeah, it was also one of his prose poems. Oh, okay, I remember it now. Yeah, it was one of the dream ones. Doo, doo, doo. I'd say it's better than that. Let me remember it real quick. Oh, I remember why it's, it was. It was because it was before. It was. It was. It was after the other gods, and the other gods was. It's hard to beat that. I mean, it's easy to beat that one, obviously, yeah. because it's above it. But. It's hard for me to remember anything else. I know. <laughs> Just old man shaking fist at clouds and actually <laughs> climbing a mountain. His hands are rated G for gods. Oh, this is another one that would be great if you just, uh, I don't know, put more to it. Yeah. But it was a prose poem. So, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know, I'd say it's, it's better than Azathoth. Okay, Celeferis is next. I'm going to say it's better than that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here's where I'm gonna be a little iffy on. Okay. Because we're hitting From Beyond now. Ooh, yeah. From Beyond is really good. I would put it behind From Beyond, only because From Beyond is cosmic horror, and it's good cosmic horror. Did I just forget the story I just read? The name of the story I just read? The Hound. I just did. The Hound. Why? How did I forget that? There's no (laughs) dogs in it. That's why. There is one. He just has wings. He just drank a Red Bull. Well, no, yes, no, there's no, that's no. Why he but has that's wings. those. Those were bats and a and a and a goal. Oh, uh, but 
there was no dog. There was no dog. There's I no hate dog. this story. Never mind. It goes to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't remember it. Because I'm just like, Fuck well, there's no story. dog. <laughs> Fuck this story. It goes under old bugs. I don't care anymore. <laughs> there's no good heckin' doggo. I came here for a good heckin' doggo, and they did not deliver. I have been scammed. I have been cheated. I have been bamboozled. <laughs> I will not stand for this. <laughs> I'm traveling back in time to shove HP Lovecraft in a locker. Hey, this is good, but like from this beyond, is, this is like from beyond is so good though. Yeah, and the the how does this regular regular horror? And I understand. Yeah, it's good regular horror. It's it's good. very good regular horror, but I always prefer cosmic horror over that. And from beyond was good cosmic horror. Yeah. The only reason the outsiders above it is because I fucking love me a Gabo boy. I love that Gabo boy. See, if they had just been friends with the Gabo boy from the outsider, none of this would have happened. Yeah. None of this. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah. Can't think of anything else. No. Nope. So, um, um, uh, okay, what do you have to plug? Uh, you should go read my webcomic. It's called Grace's Wings at graceswings.com. It's an urban horror fantasy. There's also spooky stuff. There's ghosts. There's monsters. There's gays. You can you can listen to more of my voice by going to at well going to Alphabet Flight, which has a lot of episodes by now and hours, if not days worth of entertainment. Um. I think it's good. Yes. So I think you should listen to it. It's so, go listen to it. It's so much fun. You want a lot of something to listen to? Alphabet Flight is it. You're at what, 600 episodes? No. I'm like, I'm going to be hitting 650 pretty oh. soon, actually. Over 600 episodes. If you need yeah. a lot of something to listen to, listen to it. It's really fun. Sometimes at work, I remember Scourge, and it's it's just a really joyful time. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, listen to me grow as a person. <laughs> yeah, that when too. When I started, when I started, I was I was a I was a cis a cishet man apparently in my mind. Wow. And, and now I'm not that. Wow, times have a changed. Actually, no, I wasn't cishet. I was just cis. But wow, was a, times but, have a change. <laughs> yeah, times have changed by quite a bit. Uh, so so yep, this is uh. Been, this has been over in Smith, and you are the irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other, and it faded from the abyss. The void that would remain would be unfillable, and the mansions of silence would forever fill our laments. Bye. Bye.